This is Machine Language, the podcast hosted by Manufacturing Automation Magazine. You've tuned in to hear conversations with industry experts on the latest industrial automation technologies and trends in Canada's manufacturing sector. Hello and welcome to this episode of Machine Language. I'm your host, Christina Urquhart, Editor of Manufacturing Automation. To mark International Women's Day on March 8th and the 2021 theme of hashtag choose to challenge, I'm pleased to bring you this special episode of our podcast focusing on challenges and opportunities for women in the sector. Joining me today is Janan Abderrahman, an engineer at Enbridge who works in telemetry. In 2016, Janan graduated from Ryerson University in Toronto with a degree in aerospace engineering before diving into the world of industrial automation at Lakeside Process Controls where she worked for several years before joining Enbridge. She also teaches robotics classes to students aged 6 to 9 as a part-time instructor at Zebra Robotics, a STEM education training center with locations in Canada and the U.S. Janan is passionate about inspiring kids and young women to take up careers in STEM fields and is also an advocate for diversity and inclusion in the workplace. As a young Muslim woman working in engineering, Janan says she found ways to adapt to an industrial culture that was not always accommodating to women. In 2019, she joined the Ontario Society of Professional Engineers Equity, Diversity and Inclusion Committee, where she has helped to implement a guide to safety clothes that are inclusive of religious diversity. Today, Janan is here with us to talk about her work in engineering, the challenges she's faced along the way, and the role she currently plays in getting kids interested in robotics and science. Thanks for joining us, Janan. Oh, no, thank you for having me. So you're working at Enbridge. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about your day-to-day as an engineer. So right now, my day-to-day is a lot of meetings. With COVID-19, there's been a huge shift in the way that we communicate, the way that we plan, the way that work gets done. And so a lot of valuable communication that usually happens in the office a little bit more organically is now happening through like daily check-ins or emails or meetings. So within engineering itself, I think that's something that I didn't realize was how much planning and thought goes into things before implementation actually happens. I was like, oh no, I'm just going to pick up a screwdriver and get working right away. But that is not the case. There's a whole lot of planning that goes into it. And so the one cool thing about working as an engineer is your days don't always look the same. So maybe for the first three months of the year, it's going to be a lot of meetings, a lot of planning, a lot of, you know, uh, resource discussions and budget discussions and project discussions. But then for the summer, you're outside in the sun, working away, wishing you were inside doing meetings. So what specific kind of engineering are you doing? So the engineering that I'm in is process engineering or process control engineering, which is kind of a mix of electrical engineering and chemical engineering. I actually studied aerospace engineering, but I focused in control systems. And then when I graduated, I realized that aerospace was a very specific field and everything I learned was very specific to one thing. And I I don't think I'm that kind of person. I like to wear multiple hats. I like to learn different things. So I was like, you know what, I want to continue in the control systems realm, but I want to kind of diversify a bit and process control was the perfect fit for me. So while I do have an aerospace engineering degree, I work more in like chemical electrical engineering. You haven't been at Edinburgh too long, but what's been your favorite thing so far? So my favorite thing about Enbridge is the culture. They have a huge culture of safety and inclusion. And um, those are two pillars of the culture that I think I really value and really enjoy. It's one of those companies where they say they value something and they really, truly put it into action. And while I feel like many companies do that, sometimes you don't really see the 
action in a lot of those companies, but Enbridge is not like that. They really value safety, the employee safety, um, the asset safety for customer safety. Everything is just really highlighted. And, and you can see the importance in day to day, just from how like the interactions go, even it's something that's very embedded. And then the diversity and inclusion culture as well is huge at Enbridge. And they want all of their employees to feel safe, welcome, no matter what background they're from, their race, their religion. And it's just really nice to feel that inclusiveness because as a young female engineer who's Muslim and from a diverse background, I haven't always felt that way at places that I've been or, or sites or stations that I've worked at. So within Enbridge, I've never felt anything but like one of the team and it hasn't ever been an obstacle that I've faced within Enbridge. And I just really love that about working there. Can you share any of your experiences working in the industry that stood out to you as being particularly difficult? I think that one of the barriers that I felt going in was Everybody says when you like go into engineering, like, oh, it's a male dominated field, this and that. And they do try and warn you, but you go into the, your degree and you realize, wow, there really are a lot of men here. <laughs> there really are a lot of uh, male engineering students. And then you go into the workplace and you notice that as well. And it is getting exceptionally better. And uh, it's so encouraging. But in the beginning, I think it definitely, for me specifically, I think it made me wonder if I uh, fit in. A little bit and then also to an extent have that kind of imposter syndrome like can I do this look at all these guys who know all these things and they're so different from I am and they dress differently they look differently they act differently am I going to be able to be as good at my job as they are just because we're so fundamentally different and I think I felt out of place but I realized that the adjustment that needed to take place more so than in the workplace or in the field was also just in myself. And I think that has to do with a lot of young women going into this field. You would not be there if you were not qualified or capable to do the work that you're doing. And it's almost this thing where I had to really build up the confidence in myself and be really, really adaptable in order to overcome those things. So being able to get to a place where I was like, you know what? No, like I got this. I can do this work. I can do it well. And a lot of my male counterparts rely on me because I can do it well. And then also in terms of adaptability and adjustment, you know, when it came to like the way that I dressed or the way that I looked, I like to wear makeup. I like to wear earrings and nail polish and things like that. But making sure that first of all, as a woman, I'm not trying to like dress like a guy because I feel like I have to. I'm still embracing the fact that I am a woman in this field, but then also as a Muslim woman, adapting my scarf so that I'm still reaching like safety and compliance within certain stations or sites and making sure that the way that I am or my religion is not necessarily a barrier, but also embracing it if it is and having those tough discussions sometimes to say, hey, listen, like, is there a way we can work around this? Because obviously, I don't want to be unsafe. But at the same time, I don't want to compromise my beliefs. So I think it's a mix of both. And I think a lot of women feel that need to be adaptable all the time. And it's not something I necessarily think is the best, but I do think it's a little bit necessary. Like adaptability really helps you get through a lot of these barriers and still enjoy the work that you're doing. And it does kind of suck because I don't think necessarily some of the male counterparts that we have in the industry feel the need to adapt as much as some of the women do. But at the end of the day, it's a skill that I'm proud of. You used to work at Lakeside Process Controls uh, doing process engineer work. So um, maybe you could talk a little bit about how you uh, liked the automation industry. So I actually did start my engineering career at Lakeside, and it was the best decision I ever made. I loved the environment. The culture is a little bit smaller. 
it's uh, like a mid-sized company, not a big conglomerate like Enbridge, but I learned so much. And like I said, I had graduated in aerospace engineering, but I did focus on control systems. And so when I went into process control and automation, there was a huge learning curve. But because of the way that the culture was, because of the size of the company, I felt like they just embraced me so um, willingly and helped me learn so many amazing things. At Lakeside, I worked in project engineering. In terms of that process, I absolutely fell in love with it. I got to work in so many industries that were just amazing. I had no idea how things worked before I started in automation. I had no clue. Like I would watch how things work on, I can't remember what channel it comes on, but I didn't really realize how much work goes into that or what the programming is like or what all the instrumentation is like. And so working in all those industries was really eye-opening for me. I felt like I got to learn how the world around me works, which was amazing. And I met a lot of wonderful people and I worked in various companies and that like versatility in the work that I was doing was one of the things I loved about automation, as well as the things like the efficiency or even the procedural way that things work was something that I really enjoyed about automation. What was one of the projects that you worked on while you were in automation that you were the most proud of? Every project that I worked on taught me something that I still hold very important to me today. I was very privileged at Lakeside to work on projects that were like million dollar projects and pharmaceutical companies. But then I also worked 20K projects, small town water treatment plant in Ontario in like the middle of nowhere. So both of those projects that I worked on or that I'm referencing made me exceptionally proud. I think it was because both of them had some sort of a result and they impacted some sort of community. And I saw that impact. And that was just amazing in working in automation because it's not specific to one industry. And so no matter what industry you're working on, you see an impact. And when you're working at a small town water treatment and you're staying at a hotel in the middle of nowhere, you know that that water treatment plant that you're working on, that water is coming out of your tap. And it's like this really amazing feeling of I helped do something that made this water get here. And it's a small little thing that I probably did that has such menial impact, but you still feel it. You still feel that pride. And then with the big pharma companies, you know that there's like some national or global importance in what it is that's going on here. And you're such a, like I said, again, you're a small cog in this huge wheel, but you still get to understand that impact, which is amazing. Speaking of proud, you must be proud of your work at Zebra Robotics. You're an instructor there. So I thought maybe you could tell us a little bit about Zebra Robotics and and what it is that you do and uh, why it's been rewarding. So I started working at Zebra right at the end of my degree, and it was because I was doing all of these competitions in engineering, and I had no idea what was going on. And I was like, man, I feel like I'm just missing so much of this tactical skill. And I think a lot of young female engineers feel that way, and I'm not trying to generalize or anything like that, but for people that I've spoken to, they sometimes feel like they're missing out on that tactical skills that a lot of their male counterparts kind of have experience in. And I was like, you know what? I want to learn more about it, but I want to learn it in a way that a kid would learn it. This is a new industry, this this robotics, coding, science, engineering for kids. It was relatively new when I started, especially, but I wanted to learn it with them. And I wanted to see like how they learn engineering and science and the engineering process. And, and so I did. And seeing them be exposed to it and then also enjoy it was just so rewarding because I enjoyed it. And I was like, these students who are literally starting in grade two are just doing these exceptional things and they have no idea. They have no idea that it's exceptional what they're doing or it's so different from the generation before them. And it was just this feeling of like being able to be a part of that change, being able to be a part of teaching these students who are starting out so differently than even their parents started out, even if they have engineers as parents. 
seeing them being exposed to it and enjoying it and being creative and learning new skills was just so exceptionally rewarding. And so I think that I couldn't stop doing it. And I still teach part time. I love it so much. And the cool thing about that industry is it's ever changing. So there's always new technologies, there's always new things to teach. It's also just helped me continue learning constantly throughout my career, which I think keeps me on my toes. I need that. What excites you about your future in engineering? The possibility of incorporating sustainability and clean energy into automation. It's something that I'm becoming very passionate about as I'm getting older and something that I'm really looking into to further my education because I see so many different processes, so many different industries, and I see the gap sometimes where that like sustainability and in terms of clean energy and the environment isn't always there. And at Enbridge, it is a big deal and they do put a lot of focus on it. So I think that it's really inspired me to gear my future in engineering to something that's still in automation, but maybe has more of like an environmental clean energy lens because I've gained all this experience in all these different industries. And I feel like I could talk to it or I could learn about it and be able to talk to people who matter about it. So I think that's the most exciting thing is that there's so much growth that can happen in any industry. But I think that the idea of that growth being in something clean, sustainable, and environmentally friendly is even more exciting to me. I think it's really smart because clean tech's the next big thing. It's one of the, the next big categories of manufacturing. Did you have challenges, you know, as you started out in your career? I actually started wearing the scarf kind of midway through university. And uh, starting out in my career, the way that I dressed, the way that I looked, it was challenging in a few ways. The culture that I worked in had a little bit of a corporate feel. They wanted that business casual, a little bit less than business casual, but still very professional environment because it was a very customer facing role. And then being a young Muslim woman, I wore the scarf and I wanted to adapt that. I wanted to look like a specific way. And I felt like with my scarf and stuff, I didn't always fit that. And I never wanted to like walk into a room and people be like surprised that I was there. And in the beginning, I felt like that self-consciousness. I never got that reaction, to be honest. I never got that reaction, but I never wanted to feel like that either. So I think I overthought things a lot. But then, like I said, overcoming those barriers ended up being a lot of it like within myself, just making sure that I have the confidence and I understand that the bit of this is imposter syndrome and I do belong here because the people who have hired me or are training me see the capability or see the qualifications in the work that I'm doing. And then also, you know, in terms of clothing, it's shifted again when I started going to sites because there was a huge safety culture that I had to adapt. How do you wear a scarf under a hard hat? And I now I had to like figure out how to like make it comfortable, but also I still wanted it to be visible a little bit. I wanted people to know that I have a scarf on under this. Um, it was important to me and like the way that I represent myself. And so, you know, spending like a couple of days every time I went to site, trying a different style, making sure that I can still hear because your scarf covers your ears. And that became something that was actually quite challenging, making sure that I can hear what's going on around me with the scarf and then the hat and then the hard hat, like just making sure that I'm still being safe. It was things that I'd never thought about. And to be honest, nobody warned me about. And then when I was going through it, I realized. So that process of adaptability, it took about a year or so. But, but when I came out of it, I felt like I was really in my element. And I went to site and I was confident and I figured it out. And I was like, yeah, this is me. And now I'm representing myself and I'm confident and I'm still being in compliance with all of your rules. So did you find that you had to sort of figure that out yourself? Or did you kind of turn to the internet or anybody to sort of help you on your journey, people who had gone through the same thing before? I want to say that I did figure it out by myself. I didn't know at that time a lot of female hijabi engineers. 
or any. So I did figure it out by myself. And there was also this very odd culture where women are expected to be adaptable in some of these situations. So as a story, I went to buy safety clothes and they didn't have a women's section for the safety clothes I needed. And they were like, okay, you just buy the men's sizes. And this made me so mad. And I just tried to get the best size I could. I went to work the next day and I complained about it. A lot of the people that I was complaining to didn't get it. It, They were men, of course, but they just couldn't understand. They were like, who cares? Didn't you find the clothes? You really don't get it. The fact that I have to like take four different sizes of men's clothes and not one of them fit me right. And I have to wear this every time I go to site and be confident and be myself and get my work done. You know what? Yeah, that's when I, I realized adaptability is huge. And it is kind of expected for women to just adapt to situations and That's why I think it is important if you can to be a little bit more assertive in these type of situations. I just, I'm just not, but I'm working on it. Yeah. You have to pick your moment sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Well, how about now? What about challenges that you're facing now in your role? Yeah. So now I have to say that a lot of these things, I'm not sure if it is the adaptability, but things don't phase me as much anymore. And I'm not sure if that it's changed. Sometimes I think it has changed. There is a shift in culture. There is a huge lens right now on Um, diversity and inclusion issues. There is a lot of focus on women in engineering. Uh, The PEO, Engineers Canada, OSPE, they're doing amazing work to try and really shed light on a lot of these things and explain how there is a disparity between women and men in in the workplace. And I think that sometimes people see like slight changes. They'll see like three new women hired on their team and they're like, we fixed the issue, guys. We did it. We're great. Like everything is great. I mean, we're getting there. (laughs) We're getting there. I wouldn't say it's fixed, but I think that because of that, there are a lot more conversations being had. There are many more opportunities happening right now where you can talk to a lot of these things. So I don't know if I have like situational things that I could kind of speak to like I did in the beginning of my career where everything was new and and maybe also I was a little bit more aware and now I'm not as aware of it because I'm just in my my routine. I I know what to expect. So it's not this thing where something is a surprise anymore. Whereas in those situations, it was a surprise. Now it's like, okay, I've dealt with this before. I get it. I know how to adapt. I know how to deal with it. So what advice would you give to somebody, especially a female who's thinking about a career in engineering or in automation? So advice that I would give someone, especially a female in engineering or automation, is when you are looking for mentors, try and find a female mentor. That's something that I'm still struggling with, but I would say try and find a female mentor who you find commonality with, who can, even if they're not exactly in the role you want, if they're in an industry that's even similar, their experience might be able to help you with some of the challenges you face. And also be confident when you go into into these situations. If you've gotten an interview, you're qualified. And just be have that same confidence that you would expect from your male counterpart, because at the end of the day, you're just as qualified. The one thing that I'd like to say is you really don't have to know where you're going to be at when you start out in your career. And I really lived by that advice. Someone had told me when I first started out that you will end up where you're meant to be and that they were speaking just career wise. And that advice was just so exceptional because I was able to kind of take a sigh of relief. Like, okay, you know what? I might not know where I'm going to be in five years, but I'll get there. And the process will get me there. That's great advice. Thank you so much, Shinan. It was really great to talk to you. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks again to Janan Abderrahman for joining us today. Find more episodes of Machine Language online at automationmag.com slash podcasts or join the conversation on Twitter at AutomationMag and on LinkedIn by searching Manufacturing Automation. I'm Christina Urquhart, and that's it for today's episode of Machine Language. Thanks for tuning in.